0: Today on our Tech for Business podcast, we're joined again by Jason, our virtual CIO, and Kyle, our president and CEO. Um, This is part two to our commercial workspace discussion. Previously, we talked to Jason about his journey into the industry, um, Plaid Anvil, uh, Kyle kind of coming out of the woodwork and joining CIT with us. Uh, So instead of an icebreaker, I just wanted to do a little check-in and kind of see how you're doing, Jason, a couple months down the road, how things are going at CIT for you.
1: I love it. I I am am every day humbled by the cool the people I work with, having a team that is as passionate about doing the kind of work that that we're all doing here, um, and that I get to bring it to this industry that I've worked in for a long time. This uh, we're coming into a very big month. Um, the uh, you know there are a number of tools that we use to support visual design in our industry, but Uh, The folks at Configura put on a very large user conference that has really become a place for the community at large to gather and share ideas. And we're going to be sponsoring and participating in that event. I'm giving. Uh, some some one-hour presentations to kind of help uh, dealer designers understand how to work with and sort of rebuild their relationship if they don't have a functional one with it and how to use these tools effectively and kind of speak our language to empower them uh, long term and as part of that um something that again is very near and dear to me you see me holding a pen up here we are doing a targeted giveaway uh, we want to make sure that we are really uh, genuinely this is this is something that i built during my pla anvil time that was was really kind of a love letter to designers that was an affordable super super fast, you know, something that was designed to look good in their showroom and function well. We're going to give it away at the conference to a designer, not a vendor, not a software developer, not another person. I mean, this is something for designers uh, to really show our appreciation for the support you've given uh, CIT and me uh and as we begin this venture is supporting you so uh we're also going to be sharing uh, free access to our rendering accelerator solution uh that's something that cit invested in and we have scaled to provide as a service to our clients so i'm super excited there's no obligation you don't have to put a credit card in to use it i just want people to really see and experience how this solution that was built to solve a problem a very a designer called me crying one night with and i wanted to solve i want to share this with them and honestly hopefully that they will see the value in it and perhaps decide to do business with us but i'm super excited about this conference about sharing um and really getting out there and sharing what cit is and what we're doing uh you know being around for 30 years as a tech company uh, in this space is certainly not common uh and i think uh i think they're gonna i hope they will be uh be happy that we're there working with them going forward. So.
0: For sure, yes. And for those who are just listening and not watching, I do have to say that this computer looks beautiful. You know, I wasn't sure what it was going to look like, but, you know, Jason working with designers, he built this for a designer. It looks amazing. So great job on that. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Jobs
2: a, proud. Steve Jobs would be proud of that.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: You know, I may cite uh, Steve Jobs on my LinkedIn profile, but I don't pretend to be anywhere near, you know. But I mean, Steve Jobs was brilliant at taking a great idea that maybe wasn't well technically uh, implemented or explained for, from an end-user experience perspective, and uh, and did just that. So I uh, I appreciate that point of view, and I do model it a bit. But yeah, this could be the the story here. Just to give a little backstory, if you are watching, and I'm doing a little uh, theater of the mind here, um, <laughs> I'm going to cheat and say just Google the word fractal north. So the computer case I chose. So we are up in the frigid midwestern, you know, the northern hemisphere where we get really cold winters. So it is a snow white computer case. With a wood hardwood front on it that was designed in Sweden, and uh, the conference that we're attending was actually uh, it is a Swedish software company. So I felt a this looks really good uh, going with the charm aesthetic that people who use this technology tend to be designers, uh, but also there are some nods to uh, both our climate and uh, you know being in the Midwest and in Minnesota our Swedish heritage as well as uh, the partners that we're working with uh, overseas on the solution. So. I
2: love it, and it's powerful so inside.
1: It is. Inside. It's got it a is. Yeah, it was designed not just to do everything they need to do today, but everything they need to do for at least the next three years, including run twin motion, do 4K renderings. Uh, you know, they sh- if they can dream it, they can really do it with this computer. So uh, it was designed to empower them. Uh, ideally, you know, my philosophy is get tech out of their way and be an invisible partner. And this is exactly a, this is a manifestation of that philosophy.
0: I love it. I love it. And you know, um talking about this computer and just in general, you you touched a little bit on those specific challenges that designers are facing and I yeah. kind of am curious. Like I said this is part 2 of um our episode with the uh, commercial workspaces. I'm curious as to what challenges designers are facing today and you can, you know, talk kind of broadly or a little bit more specifically about how your um, approaching those challenges and solving those challenges.
1: Yeah, and you know I have the great fortune of having both a good friend and an industry peer who uh, has a great podcast in which she reviews challenges designers are facing on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, so the Design Pop podcast, free plug, Alexandra, uh, who's also been uh, great at helping me connect with some of our dealership uh, friends. But um, it is there are there are a number of issues that designers face, and they're probably laughing at me because um, you know I, I would say number one is they have they never have enough time. Uh, and so when I tend to focus on solutioning, it is how do I save them time or make them time or make the things that are doing more efficient. Um, there's a ton of stress in this industry. There is one of the biggest pivots in the last 10 years, you know, post-COVID even, we'll say. Um, is the way people work changed fundamentally. We've read all the articles to ad, ad nauseum, you know, the re, the return to work concept drives me a little bit crazy because I didn't stop working. Most of you didn't stop working. We just did it in a different place. And so the workplace and workspace has just changed and they've had to really figure out how to address that using the traditional skills methods and best practices they would learned originally and also develop new intellectual property and ideas and concepts as they're going. And in many cases, they're doing more with less, Um, it's just, and people have a greater demand for visual artifacts that help them make those, those decisions about what they're buying, uh, and to be comfortable through the buying process and the ideation process. What is it that you're proposing for my workspace? How does it look? And is there a way I can share in advance some of what you're proposing? with my end users, um, whether that's using just visual renderings that are static or 360-degree renderings that you can look at on a large screen or even virtual reality, augmented reality experiences. How do we embrace all of these technologies and, and non-technologies, really just the soft experience of all of this stuff is ultimately about helping people make decisions to ultimately do business with that dealership so that they have income that can go into paying those designers to keep doing what they love to do. So, um, it's, it's helping dealers remain or, you know, become a remain financially solvent through some very challenging times. Um, the basic demands, you know, behind underneath the hood, even below where the designers live is the basic IT infrastructure that they live on and the new sort of expanded obligations that these dealerships have to some of their clients to be more. Transparency about how they're managing those IT assets, the security that they're using, um, you know, that they have cyber insurance, that all the things they need to have, um, so that IT as a partner to them is being transparent, um, and balancing that with the need to be innovative. You know, the, for example. A lot of our designers out there need to have, or have needed to have local admin rights on their computers to use the the mix of tools they have. I'm not calling out any one partner. A lot of different partners have required it at some point in time, and a lot of them have done a good job of trying to very slowly get there. They have priorities that have to balance too. But uh, one thing I found, and I, I love working with uh, with Nate here at CIT, uh, there's a new product that we're offering called ThreatLocker, which the when I heard about it, and he said, it allows you to have admin rights essentially at an application level, but not across the entire computer somebody's running on, which eliminates a lot of those security risks. And I just explained that terribly. The, he's probably falling over his chair right now. But, here's this. but The concept is I, I can reduce the risk factor that a designer presents. And this, for the designer's point of view, means it's less risky for them just to do day-to-day work. They're not intentionally going out and doing things that are risky. They're trying to do their jobs. Our job is to protect them in a way that is not creepy and weird and overbearing. Like, hey, Wyatt, you need to click this button, and call me to fix it. Like, it just, it's a great solution that I believe has a great user experience concept tied to it that allows them to do their work while we do our job to secure them behind the scenes. So uh, again, that's the, but yeah, they're they're dealing with an environment where our our industry is under attack. Um, you know, Steelcase was attacked. Um, you brought that in the news, I'm not scooping anybody. Um, vertical supply chain attack that went, you know, jumping industries from the medical industry where they were being attacked during COVID and the healthcare industry over to, to manufacturing partners, supply chain partners, et cetera. And other manufacturers have been targeted the same way. So, really helping them do what they need to do and be innovative with new tools and new technologies that, you know, weren't really prolific and, and in use three or four years ago and continue to do work faster and at a higher level of quality than ever before. So, yeah, no challenges at all. Everything is going great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, and balancing work life. Um, I think yeah. know, if I'm going to go down another rabbit hole here, uh, you know, COVID taught us all a little bit, or at least those of us who had the opportunity to potentially stay home, uh, maybe spending a little more time with our families and you know, look at the reasons we get up and work and, and stress and do all the things. Uh, and, and how can we as technologists empower them to maintain that balance while still when they're at work, they can work as fast as they need to. But when they're off and unplugged, they can step back, you know, their renderings can run in the background and not interrupt everything they're doing and not be failing. They can go attend their their kids' birthday party. Um, you know, and that's a very fulfilling part of what I get to do, uh, because frankly, I get to do that, those things. I get to spend time with my kids. I get to be a, a Boy Scout, or, or, excuse me, Scouts BSA leader for both girls and boys. Um, and like this weekend, go out in the woods and live under a tarp in the rain uh, and do those kinds of <laughs> things with my family, because I find those things interesting and exciting. Um, and I, I want to allow other people to do the same with their families, so. Thanks. Long answer, short question.
0: I love, it. I love it. You did kind of touch a little bit on that um, security, and I was going to mention when this podcast comes out, we're we're right on the cusp of the cybersecurity awareness month, yeah. um, and there'll be a lot of information coming out about you know what you can do. And is there anything, you know, designers day to day, or the technology that they're using, or the products that they're creating? Are there any? Um, does that change your approach to? Cybersecurity with commercial workspaces or is it just kind of the same across the board and i don't know maybe kyle can kind of chime in on this as well
2: yeah i can i can lead in all at jason rabbit um, <laughs> but it's uh in it, it, a general approach it's all about risk mitigation side of it so the the approach side on cyber security at least from our perspective side of it and it's been uh something that's been spoken of quite frequently now is the preventative side of the cybersecurity and dealing with tools. Jason mentioned ThreatLocker, that's one of them. One of these tools that you can put in, do a level of automation, apply a framework to these things that all reduce the level of risk that organization has to greatly reduce the likelihood of a security incident and hopefully never a breach. Um, you know, as, as those things evolve through there, it's, it, it's, a, it's a very good investment to make, and it's just a level of automation, and it's something we do with our managed services where the synergy with Jason and, and the customers that he serves in, in this vertical side of it, there's, that's where there's a ton of synergy because it brings in a level of automation and a framework that can be applied and allow them, as Jason mentioned, to do their job. Without having to go deep into learning all these things, the other sides of it, to be able to come alongside, apply the framework, give them, you know, ac- access to ex- experts like Nate, who we mentioned in those sides, that if there is a question or a concern, you have experts you can bring in that specialize in these areas to answer the question, and you keep servicing your customers and doing what you do well, and that's uh, that's where a lot of the synergy comes in. Jason,
1: anything you want to add to that? Well, I'd say this actually plays very close to one of the philosophies that I've always brought to to this business, which is if I'm being a good consultant, I'm working my way out of a job. And the very first job I want to work myself out of with most of my clients is, as a consultant, is I don't want to be trying to figure out how we can avoid you, you getting blown up effectively by a, a cyber hacker, terrorist, whatever you want to call them, right? I would rather you be able to focus on, and I could focus on helping you do new innovative things, because to me, the future of a commercial workspace dealership, as they call themselves traditionally, and I think that's that's sort of an antiquated term because it implies you just sell furniture to markup. And, and what these businesses do is much bigger than that. They are about sort of experimenting with and understanding workspace concepts that empower people to do their best work in a variety of businesses and applications. And no part of that is, is my email secure? It shouldn't be right. should I be worried about those things? Like when I'm driving my car and my wife just bought a brand new car. Like I was trying to, to live on my 2015 Ford F-150 pickup truck forever. And it finally died and I had to buy not one, but two new cars in a week. And what was jarring to me is I got in the car and it's got all these crazy reminders and things that keep me from doing dumb things. I probably could have done on my older car. But I realize it's allowing me to focus on, it's taking care of some of the automation around me while I'm able to focus on driving and being safer in the vehicle. And I think that has a parallel to what we're dealing with here, which is there are a lot of new things that are demanding the the time and attention of our designers, of the business leaders to support them. I mean, I I want people to understand that I have very much hyper-focused on supporting designers because of the role and the importance that they play across the business process of of delivering what clients need from these businesses but the table stakes for doing this i had to be a great technologist and understand how to apply technology across the board to be an it director to be a cio to be all those things that was table stakes to doing the innovation stuff and to me if i can sit back that's a great and important job but it's not core to those those businesses. Like right? They're not in the business of selling technology, right? They're in the business of selling workspace concepts. So if I can get that out of their way, and that includes their cybersecurity practice. The, the thing about cybersecurity is in many cases, if you're gonna get cyber insurance, for example, you have to go through an audit of some sort and demonstrate that you're doing things to prevent getting hacked or attacked and generally being efficient with your resources. So the act of getting just cyber insurance, this kind of hyper-focus on that one thing for a minute, often requires you to do a lot of things upstream as well. And I would say in many cases, the same applies for me working with designers. I may go into a dealership saying, I wanna help you innovate and get, have a great design experience. But what I realize is they don't have the underlying network discipline. They don't have a good place to store files. They have a lot of other deficiencies that we have to correct first, because I need to get the day-to-day IT sort of operational stuff off of their plate so we can focus on innovation. Because to me, helping them deliver their own, solving their own business problems can translate into value for their customers because they're expected to be tip of the spear, to be learning and experimenting on themselves with workspace concepts, including some technology applications. But those technology applications require everything under the hood be running smoothly and perfectly and safely. And that's all part of having a great cybersecurity strategy, about having a great IT operations and management strategy, whether it is something that is run by an internal resource, an IT director, manager, CIO, or an external third party, uh, like something we could do for one of our customers or a hybrid approach. Um, In many cases, I will supplement, um, even if a client has a managed service provider, like we are, um, I can still connect to that client and say, hey, I'm gonna provide accountability and a separation of duties between them and you so that you have an agnostic person who is looking at what you're doing and providing a different viewpoint that isn't necessarily driven by trying to sell you stuff, it's driven by you getting the right things and having the right outcomes so I can focus on delivering business value. Certainly would love it if you'd work with us and with CIT, but that's not the end <laughs> game. So to be honest, I think that's yeah. that's how you win trust. And that's what these clients, I've learned that in this industry, that you build trust by, by being there to help solve problems. And then down the road, if it turns into other business, great, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come, right? Um, so, you know, do business ethically, do business well, help clients do the right things to protect them from some of these threats. I mean, I hire a designer because I don't know how to do this stuff? They they are mm-hmm. wizards. They have the you know to you know it's kind of like sometimes IT people are to people who don't work in this trade. You know we we have all this crazy knowledge that other people don't understand, and I depend on that expertise. Uh, and so if I can empower them and get avoid them having a bad cybersecurity incident, um, you know I think it all it all ties together in some way. That was a really long answer. The the cliche about I'm going to ask a tech guy what time it is. He's going to tell me how to build the watch. In this case,
2: an <laughs> Apple watch. So, anyway. <laughs>
0: Oh man, I love it. Uh, So we talked a little bit about challenges. We talked a little bit about just day-to-day and cybersecurity. I'm interested in um, sort of what you see coming down the pipeline. Like, what is the future of this commercial workspace? We're talking five, 10 years from now. Where do you see things going?
1: Yeah. Oh, I have I have a couple of opinions here and I think uh, a couple of things. Well, so I'm going to say AI because everybody says AI oh, yeah. and That's the cloud the and I dash <laughs> something. No, and I think this is the thing. People are are yeah. sometimes scared of what AI could bring. We deal with chairs that from a configuration standpoint could have a billion variables, one chair. There may be hundreds of thousands of components in a build that all have a million variables associated with them. What AI can help and empower designers to do over time is limit, like as as AI learns, learn to sort of limit the choices and curate what they're seeing, so those designers can do their best work. I think AI-driven decision making to be to help be a better consultant, which is what I believe designers. I think their titles may actually change over time, much like a systems engineer or sales consultant in you know in our business works. That role is going to change and has been changing for a long time. And I think AI can help them by really empowering them to, to make those choices more quickly and give better qualified recommendations. The scary part, you know, so I'm gonna use the, I was having a conversation about something and all of a sudden up on my phone pops an ad for that thing. Now I never typed in anything about this, but I know mm-hmm. the phone is listening, <laughs> right? So just to show my parents, <laughs> but the funny thing is I, there are such deep sort of profiles on all of this that exist. And one thing I think that while it sounds a little bit big brotherish. If we can utilize that for good right so i understand if i know i'm going to be presenting to somebody and i have some idea what they like from a textural standpoint from a color standpoint you know the the facebook's the metas the googles of the world have been creating these giant kind of weird profiles about all of us what if we could use some of that information to help drive what we're showing to people to again make sure that we're we're really giving them a custom experience i mean use the the bad for good if you will right so i think using data that's available to help drive better recommendations to people is one big change. Um I think this industry is also supported by a lot of, well, two things. Consolidation is happening. If you've watched um you know, again the dealerships of traditional your a lot of them are family owned, they were smaller businesses uh, you know they're gobbling each other up right now. Um, there was a huge consolidation between Herman Miller and Knoll that is now Miller Knoll. There continues to be purchases of small independent manufacturers by larger manufacturers. Smaller dealers are getting gobbled up by bigger dealerships as maybe you know members of the family are retiring and they aren't really sure what they're going to do. And those manufacturers want to retain market share in certain areas. They're providing consolidation. That is leading to a more, a larger scale clients in terms of what the dealerships that we work with potentially are, and a, a greater demand in terms of that that technology uh, compl- or that what I'm looking for here, the uh, the sophistication, the um the ability to work at enterprise level, not just at small business level. So I think that's a positive thing. I think being able to take enterprise thinking and bring it down to scale where we can use it both at small and large manufacturing dealerships is a good thing for the industry. Um and I think it will continue to drive. I, I don't think many, traditional, what I would, I hate to call them sort of the old school way of doing technology where technology almost holds the business kind of hostage. They're they are not going to share information with you. They're doing things their way. You know, IT, the budget is sort of a hole that you just pour money into kind of like owning a boat on the water that you get to enjoy once in a while. It's, it's not going to be that way for long. Just the demand for accountability will change that. And I really think that is going to be to the benefit of everyone who works in this industry. Better tools, better process, better security. I do think the industry has, has a lot of sort of software companies and you know partnerships have grown up out of necessity, right? Kind of in the same way that small businesses, maybe they've sort of found a little tiny niche or, or specialty that they focus on. And what I find is that a lot of data format, like the data that flows through this industry sometimes ends up in weird proprietary formats that doesn't really follow what, say if you work with an architecture and design firm and they work in Reddit, for example, we ultimately require that you also change that file and change those, you know, we're not dealing in common file formats or single source of information. And I think as this industry grows, as dealerships themselves and manufacturers become more sophisticated, they will demand that we think differently about how that data moves that instead of a designer creating a PDF artifact or pricing based on catalog data that's that's out of date because somebody didn't run updates, that simply will no longer exist. It will treat uh, the specification for space and the pricing more like a code repository where it, it's a flow of information that draws from other sources in real time. And we can kind of keep track of that So because I think that'll give the customers a better experience. I think it'll help those dealerships and all their partners from end to end in the supply chain do a better job managing the products and services to ensure a great experience for that, that end customer. Um, I think that's all part of what's going to come. I think the industry has generally been underserved because it has a very, very limited investment in technology uh, as a percentage of revenue. Typically, I mean, it's usually less than 1% of a dealership revenue is invested in technology. And that's on the very bottom of the scale. If you look at you know, the construction industry, it's 3%. If you look at, you know, healthcare or technology, it's as much as 10%. So I think, uh, overall business will demand some changes. And that's a positive thing because there's so much that we can do with just a little bit more kind of money resource, mind share, and again, getting the legacy thinking out of our way so we can really innovate and really do crazy good things with visualization and fulfillment um, and just making sure that our, our clients, um, you know, we're, we're empowering them to do better work um, by doing the same for ourselves. So to me, these designers and these, these businesses will become centers of innovation and those that don't will probably become purchased. <laughs> they'll, get, they'll get bought up by other other dealerships businesses, whatever else it is. But and I don't yeah. I don't say that disparagingly. I just think it's it's time.
0: The way uh, and yeah. I'm super
1: excited to support them because I think it's the people I know who've really been in this industry that are looking to do great things all feel the same way. That it's time for us to grow up and 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 realize the potential that this industry has to help uh shape the future of work for everybody put a trademark next to that. I'll make that a tagline somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'll put a little (laughs) thing. That's right.
1: After I (laughs) say return to work and then cross my eyes.
0: Yes, for sure. Oh, man. There's so many things I wish I could just deep dive into that you said um, and might have to be for another podcast in the future. Um, (laughs) You know? I have a lot of words,
1: so don't worry. I can just I'll keep tapping the keg right here. (laughs) Are you sure? I love it.
2: Are you sure? (laughs)
1: My head is pretty You're big. You like your quote quota up.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, I well, think we've I mean, got, I mean, I think got at least another half hour, Jason. <laughs> oh, well, here.
1: in that case, hang on. I should speed up so I can fit 45 minutes into a half an hour of time. <laughs> no,
2: we'll do it in part three, I think. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's fair. For that, sure. that is fair. For sure. Let's get I a love it. Well, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Jason and Kyle, for joining us today. Um, Jason, can you remind us, I know that this is coming out right before October and you're going to a conference. Can you remind us a little bit about that conference quick? Yes. Give a little plug.
1: That's right. It is the CET Experience in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona at the Fairmont Princess Hotel in Scottsdale. Uh, so it is, uh, again, it, it is a place for us to gather as an industry in many ways. There are, you know, there are different conferences. One is called Neocon in Chicago, that if you're in the industry you're familiar with. This is very much focused on designers, interior designers. And, you know, one specific tool they use, CET the Designer, but really in many ways it's for us to get together and talk about industry problems and how to solve them. And again, I'm, I'm both honored and excited to get to go and talk to designers, I've missed it. I missed being in person because obviously the pandemic has changed a lot of the ways that we travel, and out of necessity and out of you know learning, we've experimented with virtual conferences and such. But there really is nothing like just getting together, shaking hands, you know, learning together. Um, Probably being too tired by the time my presentation rolls around (laughs) on Wednesday, but that's okay. And uh, yeah, so I'll be out there uh, the eighth through the 11th or so. And uh, if you're in the Phoenix market and you're a dealership and would like me to stop by and visit you, I've I've set aside some time to do just that. So. Uh, I'm super excited to be out there. Uh, I'm hoping they'll record one of the sessions, so I can perhaps post it up here on our social media site if you want to hear me talking about uh, my recommendations for dealerships in a forty five minute dealer friendly technology discussion. Nice. and uh, yeah, i'm I'm uh, again, I'm both honored and excited, and uh, there's a really great giveaway, and I just I, I may even sign the inside of it to fully lean into the Steve Jobs <laughs> wannabe. Um, yeah I this is no it. Apple One, but uh, certainly it'll have a something fun inside. So.
0: I GC1. love it yeah for sure that's so great and if you're listening to this and it's past our october i will make sure um in the description uh to have our commercial workspace website that you can head out to and learn a little bit more about Jason and what he's offering. So um, thank you again. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe. If you have a question or a topic you would like to discuss, um, reach out to us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website, cit-net.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode.
2: Ooh. Thank you. Bye, everybody.